make it there and can make it back. Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of your favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with normal life. I am slowly but steadily moving things around as I talk to you because I knew I wanted to do that. Welcome back. I'm happy that you guys are here. Um, I feel like there was something that I was supposed to mention in reference to last week, but I can't remember it. So we're going to pretend I didn't even bring it up. Glad y'all are here. Same housekeeping announcements as always. If you would not mind, I would appreciate you leaving a review so that someone who doesn't know what the podcast is about could decide whether or not they want to fucks with it. Um, as well as, um, what was the other one? Oh, the mailing list. I have a couple of giveaways going on. So there is the... Liberate Botanica, that is still a go, and that will be ending in March, as well as I have another Channel Chana gift card for the shop that I was telling you guys about where I bought the dress that I wore to the wedding in North Carolina and a couple of really other really, really dope pieces. So sign up for the mailing list. That information gets sent out to you guys in a monthly email because I don't want to write more than one email. So um, keep it simple for me and it's simple for you. If you are watching on the YouTubes, not only do you see my adorable face, say hello to my face, I've got two beautiful guests. So my beautiful guests, thank you so much for joining me, ladies. If you would uh, please introduce yourselves. Um. <laughs> I'll go first. Um, <laughs> hello, my name is Jasmine Bruno. Um, That's I'm my cousin. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi guys. <laughs> hello. Um, I am my. I am a veterinarian. Uh, my official title is actually a forensic veterinarian. Um, I work uh, in New York City. Um, I work with a, a nonprofit organization. And um, I also, in my spare time, uh, not only enjoy walking along, you know, beaches and whatnot, but uh, <laughs> taking long, nice walks on the beach. But um, I enjoy traveling and doing uh, spaying and neutering of um, community pets in different countries. So, um, and that is how I know Alexandria. And um, I'll let her take it away. <laughs> Hi, I'm <clears throat> Dr. Alexandra Murphy. Uh, I'm a veterinary doctor in general practice, um, as well as I have my master's in public health and infectious diseases. Um, I am in the DC area. So I work in DC, Maryland and Virginia. Um, have my license for all. And I'm technically a, a relief veterinarian. Uh, some on the medical side, they call them locums. In the children's side, they call them substitute teachers. <laughs> so pretty much I am um, self-employed. And I pick and choose which hospitals I want to work at. So if I don't like you, I didn't show back up. Um, otherwise, <laughs> if I like you, I stayed and I work a little bit more. Um, but I'm I'm pretty much a freelance. I also do at-home euthanasias. Um, oh, so instead of uh, euthanizing in a clinic, I come to your house. And um, and then my side kind of thing is travel. And that's I don't see life without travel. I try to stay in the skies as much as possible until COVID kind of takes my plane down. But yeah. um, other than that, um, I try to stay in the skies as much as possible. I try to do three new countries every year. Come on. Um, I am a solo traveler for the most part. I'm not a um, resort person, I'm like an Airbnb kind of thing. So that is my 
extent of travel, travel for cultural purposes, travel for animal purposes. I see you. (laughs) So first of all, travel doctoring, who would have fucking thunk? So yeah, it makes sense that you would have backups for doctors because you guys are people and have families and lives and deserve vacations. Huh? So actually, you- technically, most of us don't have a life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, no, I actually came into relief um, years ago because I was tired of my clinic and I wanted to see what other clinics were. I'm a, I'm a big advocate. I'm a big teacher and a learner. And you can't learn everything from one facility. So I learned mm-hmm. to leave and see different medicine in different areas, even just in Virginia. So I was in Southern Maryland in Bowling Green, where mm-hmm. the Lovings case was with black and white. Um, couldn't marry and then I moved up to the city so it's it's very different Um, but generally speaking veterinarians don't have a life and a lot of owners think we are not supposed to have lives that we're supposed to live above the clinic and when they knock on the door at 11 p.m we're going to answer them I am not about that I'm sorry I got two of my own headaches at home I got to come home to see that's where I'm going (laughs) oh my god they're headaches (laughs) (laughs) one is staring at me now she will walk across this uh, stage in a minute. <laughs> so where, what, first of all, let's start with like the base questions. What got you ladies into veterinary medicine? What was it about the field that decided to pull on your heartstrings? Cause everybody like, there's one thing to love animals, right? But then it's another thing to actively become a uh, first just the idea of a PhD. I got this cute little bachelor's that's doing absolutely nothing for me right now. <laughs> I'll never say I regret the experience. However, I knew good and well, because I used to want to be, uh, be a pediatrician when I was a kid, all the way <laughs> until Sister Kitsy's chemistry class. She Sister Kitsy's chemistry class. She did it that for me. Terrible, terrible, terrible experience. And then I ended up doing um, volunteer. I volunteered that summer or the summer. I would think I was volunteering at the same time. That's another, that's another story. Problematic. But anyway, I ended up volunteering that um, year because they wouldn't let me just finish it out over the summer. And I saw this girl in like reading this huge book and I'm looking at the book and I'm like, that book think I weigh as much as the book man like that's that's a big ass book and I'm like all right we're going into junior year I don't want to do this and she doesn't look happy yeah the doctor (laughs) thing that's when it started to kind of to leave off of my chest so this is a large undertaking shout out to all of y'all that go for continued education higher and more advanced degrees big up to y'all shout out to my little brother who is a fellow at brown they are paying my black man to get his phd in pathobiology so proud sister moment i don't think i mentioned that in a while but um yeah school wasn't it's, it's not you know everybody's cup of tea i excelled but i didn't fucking like it so what made you want to pursue a career in veterinary medicine well um I think that it was a few a few factors. Um, I won't even mention probably like the expectation factor of just like, you know, parents and family and stuff like that in terms of higher education and seeking higher education. Um, but it was always just um, 
uh, pounded, I guess I would say, into my head that just higher education will open more doors for you. And so while, yes, everybody kind of, you know, initially starts with um, wanting to pursue being a, a veterinarian and going into veterinary medicine with a, um, a love for animals, of course. I mean, for me that I'd be lying if I said just like, you know, I enjoyed animal care. Um, it was mostly, for me, it wasn't really more, it wasn't really about the medicine so much, but it was more about helping the stray animals. And like, I literally have just like thoughts, like, way back when, um, way back when actually stray dogs were kind of rampant still in the streets mm -hmm. in, in New York City. And I, I remember seeing one hit by a car and like my mom would try and like hide my, you know, hide my eyes and stuff like that. And she'd be like, don't look. And I'd be in tears. And um, it was mostly just about the caregiving uh, mentality of it. And so that's what kind of attracted me to it. Now, I have, and I've spoken about this with like, um, a mentee that I have right now. So I'm mentoring her, she's going into, you know, she's um, at this crossroads of like applying to colleges and stuff and mm -hmm. wanting to major in like animal sciences. And so I'm just kind of like guiding her and just opening her eyes to the world of just animal sciences and what possibilities you can have with it. But um, I think that at the time, it was more so that I probably have more options to do the things that I want to do as a veterinarian. Because I even remember in college, I was debating about becoming uh, like a marine biologist versus a conservation, um, you know, just going into conservation work because I liked, I wanted to travel. Like I wanted to mm. go save polar bears and I wanted to go, you know, work with endangered species and stuff. And so like, I, I think it was just that push of just like, well, you know, I spoke to a lot of people because for a while I wasn't going to go to vet to I wasn't going to apply to veterinary school. Um, but it just it just seems like that was that would make more possibilities happen for what I truly wanted to do. Um, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it manifest itself uh, ever so slowly as I pay back these uh, 200, almost $300,000 loans, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I'm, I'm the most atypical person you'll ever meet in veterinary medicine, I've always said. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, and so Brown University mm -hmm. up the street. Um, so I was raised in Southside Providence, not the best looking neighborhood. On the same lines as New York City, I guess to say. Um, and it wasn't about the care of animals. I saw animals dead. And so I was like, what happens if, what happens after? And what can I do to help? So I never got to see an animal get hit by a car or anything, luckily. But if there was an animal on the side of the road, how could I help? I wanted to do the medicine. I wanted to be able to do that. And so that's really taken my career. Um, the other reason I did it is because people didn't think I could. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, black female coming from Providence, most, nobody had degrees. And so they were just like, you wanna be a vet? Okay, I loved cats, mm -hmm. the cat lady. Um, but I mostly liked cats because people didn't and I would make them. So it, I didn't like the stray cats, but sometimes honestly, stray cats are happier out there than they are in the house. But I just wanted to advocate for not hating and intentionally hurting. 
Okay. And just being able to have that power to be able to do something. So I was going to be an Egyptologist. I had a little, little bump bump there and I was going to go to Brown for that. Real an Egyptologist? Temples, not the best thing in the oh. world. <laughs> Wait, that's a thing? So just someone that studies Egypt? like Yeah, so I actually I- read and wrote, studied, learned hieroglyphics by myself, just reading the book of the day. So I could read hieroglyphics. Um, I learned the history of ancient Egypt when we had AOL dialogue. <laughs> so... Um, it was like the nerdiest thing that I could ever done in my life. I had this whole table of written script and it was like, my mom really was like, I'm concerned for you. No. Um, but I was like, I cannot be, yeah, I was like, I cannot be a black vet or a black person in a temple with dead things all day in the heat. Mm -hmm. I'm not used to that. I need my winter time. So anyway, I went to Tuskegee, um, in Alabama and did my entire eight years there. I came out. And I was like, I don't want to work in practice. I hate practice. Practice meaning cats and dogs, vaccines, puppies, kids. Okay. I, that wasn't my thing. Um, I did it because I had bills to pay. Right. <laughs> so uh, 10 years later, here I'm, I am. But in that process, I think it was four, four years after I graduated, I opened the, a magazine and I saw this brochure about going overseas and helping Spaniards. I will tell you, I had no idea how to properly do a Spaniard, but I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I went to the Dominican Republic and Jasmine and Robin, and they changed my entire life. Um, they are like my epitomes. I would not be here if they didn't teach me all their words of wisdom and their um, things. Cause I still remember Robin, um, she would sing, let it go to me. Cause I was so scared of dropping. Uh-huh. She's just like, let it go. So every time I'm like, let it go. <laughs> and I'm in surgery. So that started my career. Though. And I was like, this gives me a way to travel, travel for free for the most part, help animals communicate, learn cultures. Um, cause I, when I went with another organization, one thing I really hated about them um, for what they were doing. They were white people going to a black country that spoke Spanish and they knew nothing about Spanish. They had not a clue how to communicate. They didn't know how they interacted with animals. One of the questions you, you were posing is how do people look at animals overseas? Mm-hmm. You have to understand that before you can work with them because otherwise we're being Americans and doing exactly what we hate Americans for doing is coming in and bringing our stuff and dropping it on your doorstep. Like the American way is the only way. So, you know, trying to learn while I'm at these locations, better myself, you know, improve the world at the same time, see what we know. I've learned so much overseas about what they do and I bring it back. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you do field medicine. I do do field medicine. Not everything needs 17,000 things. These animals survive. We're just lucky to be here and say, let's see which one works. (laughs) That's pretty much it. So that's where I am with um, uh, why I'm doing veterinary. And I do at-home euthanasia because, again, I really enjoy the lack of suffering of animals. I don't want to see them suffer. So I can talk to owners about, you know, is it time? When is it time? How can we do this humanely? And I've had humans come to me and say, are you sure you can't do that for humans? Sure. Um, I actually spoke to a doctor last week in the emergency room. My boyfriend was had uh, an issue, and he's like, "Let's talk about humans and animals and euthanasia." I'm like, "Who just asked me this question in an emergency hospital?" But it's just it's such an open area that a lot of people are afraid to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I'm 
comfortable with it because it relieves stress. It relieves the pain of the animal. It relieves the pain of the humans. Um, and they go to whatever place that, that you know, they believe in. And, and I don't euthanize things just to euthanize them. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I, I do it for a purpose. So. so that actually was a good segue. What were your travel experiences like? So you guys went to DR to do, first of all, spay and neutering. And since you brought it up, I might as well ask, one of my homegirls had asked on Facebook today, as a matter of fact, what is, I won't say, cause shout out to Bob Barker. I always wanted to be one of Barker's beauties. It was <laughs> one of like, one of those things like, <laughs> do I want to play? Cause I really thought that, I don't know how, but somehow I thought I could be Plinko. Like I would figure out how to drop it just right. And I also <laughs> have always been really good at that supermarket game when you guess the price. So I'm like, yeah. That if you gave me that one, I'm good. But then as soon as you get to like the showcase at the end, uh, 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 I was overall the sum of it all. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do I know about vacuum cleaners? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm just like, I don't know how much this is supposed to be. And I'm like, it's a boat. I don't know how much a fucking boat is supposed to be. There was a meme that I saw recently that was like, now that we're in this like age bracket or whatnot, I'm not going to divulge everybody's ages, <laughs> but well, now that we're, well, you all know the age bracket that, I, that I'm talking about, but like, it's where you're actually appreciative to receive like an appliance. And I remember yes. back watching, watching, <laughs> um, not Family Feud, Jesus, because that's my, that's my shit. But, um... <laughs> It was uh, the price is right. Where like I, I remember watching it, it always be like you're waiting for the vacation and yeah. you're waiting for the new car. Mm-mm, nowadays, I'm just yeah. like, honey, boo boo, yes, please give me that washing machine and please give me, you know, the uh, a pot collection. Thank you. Yeah, the the <laughs> the um, I so low key. I kind of want to get boyfriend like those fancy pots, but I don't do the cooking, so I wouldn't <laughs> even know which ones are even worth it. And then I'd be pissed because then I would also just buy them based on what's pretty. Like I would just buy like really colorful ones. And I, I don't think that he would appreciate that. So a, a gift card, I guess. But in your um, in your medical experience or your medical um, advice, why do we spay and neuter our animals? I know. Um, and I'll say this out loud. Bet. <laughs> Please spay and neuter your pets. Adopt, don't shop. (laughs) (laughs) What is the um what is the main what are the main reasons why we should um spay and neuter our animals, our babies? I'm Um, a dog girl, by the way. I've um I don't have a cat. Boyfriend is a cat man, he loves cats, (laughs) but um I'm a dog girl. I think I'll let the shelter vet discuss the spay and neuter. (laughs) Um She has more of the stories. We we can we can bounce back and forth each other. Um, the main thing with me, um, it's okay. So in terms of just overpopulation of pets, preventing unwanted pregnancies. I mean, like I'm going through lists of now. Yeah. Um, just the medical conditions that you can prevent in terms of just um a fatal emergent uh, condition known as an infection of the uterus or a pyometra um, that uh, females can get. Um, and so it's always safer to do it when they're when they don't have a pyometra as opposed to when they do have a pyometra um, in terms of anesthesia and everything. 
Um, and then with males, I mean, a lot of it is like testicular cancer. Of course, like when you take the testicles away, like you uh, completely take away the risk of testicular cancer, um, especially if like you have undescended testicles, um, whereas like a testicle hasn't uh, gone into the scrotum where it normally should be. It like hangs around in like the abdomen or something, or it can hang around in like the, um, the groin area or whatnot, but it poses a larger risk uh, for um, twisting around in the abdomen if it just stays in there too. So um, I'm rambling. Um, Alexandria, let's- Well, I mean, I'm, I'm backing you up. Uh, again, mm -hmm. uh, pyometria is probably one of the most serious as well as mammary cancer. We get a lot of people, men that don't want to neuter their dogs and it's like, okay, well, and I've, I've had it before. I love this one. Um, I had a dog whose penis just kind of sat out because of being intact. And I said, okay, dad, this is because he has his testicles. So we have to do it to him. I'm not neutered. I said, okay, here's some lube, here's some gloves. And you rub it until it gets back in every day. You know what to do. And he looked at me, he's like, I said, exactly. You have to realize a dog is a dog and they don't need these parts. It helps because of aggression, especially in the males. Uh, marking territory, you get that in male dogs and male cats. All that screaming and screeching outside with the cats, that's them reproducing. We have so many animals in cages, literally in jail. I always say they're put in jail until death row. No animal deserves to be in a cage that for, it doesn't matter how long, whether it's two weeks, three weeks to just them be using it because somebody had a new baby and they had to get rid of them. Um, or because they left them outside because they moved somewhere else. Um, we have some no-kill shelters. I do, you know, I like no-kill shelters, but again, it's one of those things. These animals that you did not spay and neuter and got rid of or accidents because your brother's cat came over, brother's dog came over and they made it. Who are you giving these animals to? Right. Um, and are you giving them to reputable people? So I'm, I'm definitely behind the lines of freedom. Um, the pyometra, I get so many people, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm not worried about a pyometra. Okay, now your dog is nine years old. He has a heart murmur, so he can die under anesthesia. She can die under anesthesia. And instead of spending the hundred dollars to spare, now you're spending four thousand dollars, life or death. How many people are walking around with four thousand dollars to be able to do that? And insurance generally doesn't cover that because that's preventative measures that you should have mm. done when they were young. So it's financial for the most part. Get it done. Let them be free. It doesn't free them from any other ailments but it frees them from some of the major ones. They get breast cancer, what we call mammary gland carcinoma as well. Um, I have a lot of penile trauma that happens. Like I said, the penis gets stuck out, it gets hit on certain things. The testicles uh, get inflamed, sore, ulcerated. Prostate gets big, cuts off your urethra, you can't pee. Then you have a ruptured bladder, sepsis. Uh, there's a lot of things that can happen and go wrong. So unless you're planning on breeding, please don't breed. Um, but unless you're planning on breeding, just do the easy, simple thing and just stay in Thank you for that. <laughs> I think that's going to resonate with some of y'all out there that may not have known how serious it could be. And it was just in your head and what story you were telling yourself was a bad reason to do it. But here we are, the doctors. They know what they're talking about. I mean, so, I think part of the, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the, what fuels us and what gives us um, opportunities abroad is because of just the overpopulation of these pets and just that they're 
you know, breeding uncontrollably. And so like that is one of the, the main reasons why we enjoy going, um, you know, and helping these communities because it not only poses a public health concern for, you know, people, um, or I guess I should back it up. It not only poses just um, health uh, risks for the animals, but also for the people because of mm -hmm. public health risks in terms of spread of infectious diseases that Alexandria knows all about <laughs> she got yes. her master's. <laughs> well, and I, and I actually want to segue, which is going to probably be a question to back up what Jasmine is saying, the overpopulation that's outside for the most part, like most other countries don't have shelter. So, mm -hmm. and I do have cultures that just leave their cats, particularly outside, like, oh, they can survive. No, they can't. But you have places like Cuba. I love Cuba. Cuba is like my second home. I've been three times. Oh my gosh, if they will ever give me citizenship, I would love them. Hey. Um, <laughs> so I've worked in Cuba and Cubans now have a mentality against cats because they populated cats so much to kill the, the rats and mice. I'm not saying this is the whole story, but you had all those rats and mice rodents running around, you put cats outside, unaltered. Now you have more cats then you yeah. had rats. So now they treat the cats like they were rats and they want to kill them, hurt them, you know, and I'm not saying everybody, that is not everybody at all. That's not even half the population, but there's just certain mentalities that build because of that. And I remember, I love cats. And when I wake up in the morning and there's seven different cats on my patio every day, I'm like, this is disgusting. This gets yeah. to a point where it's too much. And yes, there's a public health risk. There's fleas, um, diseases that fleas carry, you have your roundworms and hookworms, giardia. Um, don't even get into the, the mosquito or vector-borne diseases, but there's a lot of things that humans can catch, ringworm, you know, just being around that. And when you have a high population of animals, humans, whatever it may be, you're going to catch it. So you're going to spread it a lot faster than anything else. So what were your experiences like traveling? Let's talk about the... Um the travel doctoring where did you love what did you learn that you were able to bring back to your practice here in the states and um culturally how is it different how do people see culture uh, their animals abroad differently like all of I it think between different. the between the two of us we probably have worked in what a collection of 20 countries <laughs> so, oh well and then well, including robin too robin. like if we're even yeah if we're even including robin like Rob is crazy. She just she just flies and she works somewhere. I don't even know how she gets to these oh, places. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Robin. Hi, Robin. Um, but yes, we've all we've been to a lot of different places. Mine are generally centralized in uh, the Caribbean and North South America. Um, mm -hmm. I've done some Central. Uh, Jasmine, I think you've been over like in Thailand, haven't you? I went to Thailand. Um, I think that's probably the furthest that I've been. But otherwise, it's a lot of like um south america yeah the caribbean also yeah and i think everybody at, in the caribbean and south america they have the same kind of mentality um animals are generally outside like they're they're feral pets to some degree but you will have your breeds you'll see a husky in the middle of Colombia, and um, like so why but i've learned from them they're like well you have to um what's acclimate them so they actually have like a way of keeping them in the ac and then bringing them outside so they get you something like just don't have a dag on alaska yeah. it seems like a lot of work it's just too much but um you will have a lot of breeds 
uh, that are specifically bred household animals, leash, Gucci, this, whatever, in any country. I think for me, one of the hardest countries to be in is was Turks and Caicos. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason being, they, for the most part, they don't want the animals inside. They won't drive them. So when we did a campaign out there, um, they weren't bringing them. We had to just like hurdle them off the street and just be like, who's animal? Nobody's animal? Okay, put it back up. So it was, I think it was a, a little bit different with the mentality there, but there is a collection of cultures in Turks and Caicos as well, like those mm -hmm. Dominicans and Haitians and everything there. So you have that collection. But I think overall, people like animals, just like in the United States, you're going to find people who don't and people who are just despicable regardless. Um, people have hearts for them. It just, it just don't have to be up underneath you like a lot of okay. Americans have our animals. Sometimes just them being outside. Like I have two feral cats outside. They don't want to come inside. They want to stay right there and beg me twice a day. They knock on the door and they just want to be fed. And then they go and they come. That's all they want to do. Um, I actually had, sorry to interrupt you. I actually had, and by I say had a house set. I had an Airbnb in Guadalupe. And the way it was set up there was the place I stayed, everyone's kitchen, like um, it was a building, like a complex. Everyone's kitchen was outside. And so your doors get closed. Like you've got sliding doors that close off your kitchen from your home. But that is and because of that, like the cats were like community cats. Mm -hmm. So this lady that I, you know, the Airbnb I had, she was like, yeah, so the cats aren't mine, but they're everyone's. Yeah. So there's cat food. Here's the kitty litter. Um, there are two of them. This one's named this, this one's named that and have fun. And I'm just like, yeah. okay. And so I was terrified because cats really just weird me out just because I've never really had cats. We've always just, I, mind you, my mother was a no animal household. She wasn't trying to do, and I get it as an adult, you got two kids and a husband. I'm not cleaning up after anybody else. I'm not. You're not going to walk it. You're not going to walk it. You're for damn sure not going to walk it. So <laughs> that means I'm going to walk it and I'm not walking it either. So I get it. But so we just, my grandma had a dog for a little bit. And then uh, RIP princess, she died when I was probably like seven. So that was it. And I don't know what to do. I just, I can love you, but it's just like, I can put water in a bowl food and I can scoop. So it wasn't rocking science, but I'm kind of like, all right, I don't know how to, I don't want to scare you. I don't know if you're afraid of me, like do cats smell fear on you? I didn't know how to interact with it in like the safest way for both of us. But that was, um, it was fun. One of them was of course more affectionate than the other. I find that not everybody is a, a people cat in terms of cats, you know, they don't always want to be in your space. And that's a lot of cats. Yeah. <laughs> and I get that that is appealing to some people, like just not having to do that much. But um, Binks is a snuggler. She's I hear her at the door now. She just <laughs> I guess she hears me. So she's like, oh, we're we're recording. Um, I'm I'm here whenever you need me. I'm tapping in. <laughs> so in the um, different areas that you guys were in, what were what was like the primary, how did it work? Did you, cause I remember you saying like, they didn't want them. So did you spay the animals that people would bring to you? Or did you kind of just spay the strays and then 
Like what happens to them? They just go back out or you, people try to adopt them? Both. If they're puppies or kittens, they try to not put them back on the streets. But if they're grown animals, if somebody brings them in, like you you can, what's it? see you doing something and they're like oh it actually doesn't hurt them like it's, it's helping them i don't get any more puppies they start bringing the animals to you they may live outside that's fine you know they eat whatever that you eat but um for the most part yeah it's people bringing them in because there's still a legality of it you really shouldn't just be catching street animals and putting them back out because ha- what happens if somebody bleeds out if they get an infection who's taking care of these animals so that was a little bit off on how that worked. <laughs> um, generally speaking, everybody has someone to account. Okay. Gen- yes, I will agree generally because I think in <laughs> I think in Dominican Republic there were times where we we're just like, oh, you're just gonna put them back out there, like, and you know they they would mention to us like, oh no, we're gonna keep an eye on them, but like literally there's there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, that's probably, they probably had their fingers crossed behind their yeah. back. But, um, you know, a lot of these animals are just um, street animals, pot hounds, like however you want to call them, like they all have different uh, kind of names for them. I think there was, oh God, I forgot the term in um, Ecuador that they, that they, or it was in DR. They have like yeah, different pot cakes. Huh? Pot cakes. Pot cakes. It was something in something that started with a V, I think, in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I for I have it on a T-shirt too. But um, they all have different names for them. But they're, I guess, in a way, you can call them community animals. But yeah. they're animals that you know live on the on the streets and just like you know the community kind of you know provides some level of care for them. And mm-hmm. um, you know we have experienced people that do have concerns like it is, it is, it can be very humbling at times, like, because when, you know, when we advertise, um, I remember, like, in Ecuador, um, uh, when we were advertising, like, the spay-neuter campaign, I don't, Alexandria, I don't think you came to this one, it was just Mm -hmm. uh, uh, me and Robin, um, but we had a larger group with us and stuff, and so we had this um, spay-neuter campaign the lines of people that like came from all of these different villages um, that wanted care for their pets. Um, you know, and of course, as Alex- Alexandra mentioned, purebred animals, some of them, some of them had bows in their hairs, like, and some of them had outfits on. And these people like are literally trekking from the mountains, like from local villages. And so they, you truly do get a similar sense of the human animal bond as we do have in America, but the environment is different. The um, the setting is different. And I think that, you the know- The finances are different. The finances, yes, for sure are different. And, um, but in the end, the goal is to still just have that companionship, have that bond with their animals. And so I think that that, you know, I, I kind of wish that we could all just like, travel and just like experience this because it is such um it's such an enlightening experience it's such like a heartwarming experience um and it really does just knock your judgment down like tremendously like you know even when you come back to america a lot of these people come from they they come from these countries and so like you know they have that same mentality but um you know, it does just take a conversation with them about explaining to them just what is really wrong with their pet or just what their pet is experiencing or just why, as you asked, why do we need to spay and neuter their pets? 
a lot of the times they don't understand or they didn't know that to begin with. Right. And I think um, that's a big one, Jasmine. The Just the word that you said is understanding. It's not even for the clients to understand why we do X, Y, Z. But a lot of it is why we have to understand why they won't do X, Y, Z. So, you know, finding out and just having those open-ended questions like, okay, so what is your hesitation? I've had people come back and they're like, oh, you know, my kitten died when they were under under anesthesia or somebody told me this. Um, And cultural, yes, that comes into play. And a lot of religion comes into play with that as well. So it's something that has that conversation. I actually, you know, I had one crazy one a couple of days ago and I was like, well, why didn't you spay your dog? Like four years old. He's like, well, my six-year-old just doesn't want to, to spay. I said, okay, well, you can tell your six-year-old when your dog gets sick. Like you have to make these judgments. You can't have a six-year-old yeah, the six-year-old making, have making medical decisions because of the, like, it just didn't make sense. I was like, they don't even know what that means. Yeah. You haven't even had the birth of the conversation with them. right. <laughs> so it's yeah, you know, hustling it, backwards. There's certain things that you have to you. have conversation. I mean, even as simple as hardware prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a conversation with people, and they're like, "I want to take the holistic approach." Okay, oh. I've had to skew how I come about it. I'm like, go holistic. Test them every year. Still, you may mm-hmm. not take the prevention. But okay. test them because when they come positive, you're going to be drinking some chemicals. It's going to be expensive. But at least know before it happens yeah. or when it's happening so we can get there. So I think that's a really, um, a really good point. And I wish that more even human providers would take that approach and not even just uh, medical providers, but people that function in just any capacity where you have to work with the public. If you have a better understanding or if you just are open to realizing that one, first of all, by the time someone gets to you, it's a little bit, there's a little bit of stress. Like it's, you don't just, you know, show up for shits and gigs. It's either for the checkup or something's wrong. Something needs to be fixed or I'm uncertain about something. So it's, I found, I work in not a patient care anymore. Um, I work with the public. So I find that in my job, when I get out of my head and complain to myself about, I fucking hate it here. This is trash, whatever. (laughs) Nobody wants to be here. So let me consider how this person is feeling. Let me consider how they got here or what they're doing here and try to approach them with the care that they deserve because knowing that they're here for something that I'm supposed to help facilitate, it makes it easier for me to meet their needs and it makes it easier for me to do my job if I just, well, what what do you need to know? What do you need? As opposed to me telling you, how about you tell me what you need? Ask me your question and we can go from there. So in terms of like cultural differences, does that affect how you, um, I don't want to say administer care or like provide care or service your, not just your animals, but like their families. Cause like you were saying, um, Jasmine, these people are from these countries when they come here. So a lot of those ideas and feelings about how animals should be treated. Cause I know the way I grew up was all, you know, and it's so funny how my mother was, you get a dog when you get your own place. You get a dog when you get your own place. I wasn't even out the house a year and I ended up with a dog. So I ended up um, 
listening to my mom on my left say dogs belong outside. Yeah. Boss was her grandmother's dog. And boss died when I was like two. And my mother was like, no more dogs after that. So boss was a big dog. And so spent most of the time outside. He would come in at night and he was not supposed to be on the couch, but that was always his thing. (laughs) And so it was dogs don't belong on chairs. They don't belong on your bed. I can't believe people do this. Woo, 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 woo. Binksy will sleep on her pillow. Mother. (laughs) The dog gets away with everything. The same thing for my dad. I remember one day I came home from, I don't know where the hell I went, but I come home and my dad's in the kitchen. He's eating grapes. And so then he starts getting them to the dog. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? He's just like, oh yeah, she's, and I'm like, dad, you can't give the dog grapes. Like they're poisonous. You can't, well, she likes them. That's that honestly that's very that's old school and it's funny that that I, I never knew how to explain it yeah we gave raisins and, and grapes back then and it's like nothing happened or you didn't know I don't know it's just like some miraculous change happened and it's like yeah now you can't do food now granted food has changed on our plate over the years this too. black culture is exactly how you state it so I see and I target and I'm like okay you're an older generation Everybody in the older generation is pretty much animals are not inside. You get your dog when you want. We don't do cats. We don't do this. And then there was a switch. Something happened. I don't know if it was the kids or what. Because even my grandmother, she bred Rottweilers. Hmm. They stayed outside. Okay. Um, and she just, she never liked cats. Some cat showed up, this little hoodlum cat showed up at her doorstep. She's like, look. I try to give him some yogurt so that he can go away. And what do I do? I'm trying to keep this cat. I said, Grandma, you just gave this cat yogurt. He ain't going nowhere. No. She's like, I hate this cat. This lady, two weeks later, cat spread all up on the bed. She's got uh, six paws. And she's like, I hate this cat. But a whole roll of film of him, like, pressing the remote control. <laughs> and, all the, and I'm like, you don't like this cat? I hate this cat. Get up. Get up. Okay. Yeah. And they had a love-hate relationship that worked until that cat was about 14 years old. Ooh, thinks he's gonna be so, 14 next yeah. month. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, she's uh she's a good little pup. But like with those with those differences and with those very much so ingrained mind um mindsets. Do you even think that, I don't know if it's like an American thing, but I remember I used to feel like, yo, you bought a sweater for your dog? Like the most you got your dog in a stroller why like isn't because the point of the dog outside to yeah. walk I don't because know. now you can I think that that's what it, it's just like traveling it's nobody really thought about traveling I said you know coming from our area it was like for me the biggest thing was to go to New York and I don't know where you guys wanted to go but it was like yeah New York and now it's like there's more yeah <laughs> it's like I gotta go it's yeah. just the option that you have now, and then That's you a good know, point. you have a little bit more money. So that little twenty dollars sweater—it's nothing back then. Look, you got food to put on the table. You right, put a twenty dollars for a dog. <laughs> so I, I think that that's kind of where it comes from. So how do you guys um, use your experiences from abroad in your care back here in the states? Um, I guess so. I kind of don't provide, I'm not on the medical side of things anymore because I do forensic work. Um, Wait, wait, pause. (laughs) So I'm gonna let you finish this and then we'll go back. And can you explain what that 
that is and like how that works because <laughs> I know I had one idea until you told me oh, yeah yeah but more go ahead <laughs> um so basically in um in a nutshell I basically she's a powerful vet it's cool <laughs> stuff that I would never be able to do sorry <laughs> <laughs> um no. So, I mean, a lot of people tell me like, they're like, I don't know how you do this. I could never do it. But no, it's basically I um, perform examinations on any animal that's being investigated by law enforcement for suspicions of animal cruelty. That's so sad. Bam. <laughs> and then I generate reports and uh, based off of the medical conditions of these animals and I potentially and I communicate those with uh, the reports and the medical findings with um, detectives and lawyers and I potentially testify if needed. What kind of cases actually end up in court? Like what kind of cases would you testify on? Like I guess people that's a charge right? Like only thing that I have ever heard of in terms of animals and legal issues was dog fights with the whole, you know, Michael Vick. And like, other than that, what kind of um, cases actually become cases? Um, so every state is different, unfortunately. Mm. Okay. Um, but of course, um, organized animal fighting is a felony in all 50 states. Um, but um, I guess I can speak more for um, New York in terms of just um, any kind of just anything that you're suspicious about, whether it be just like trauma versus, you know, leaving your animal outside versus abandoning your dog, like all of that could be reported um, to law enforcement. Huh. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's up to just, it's basically up to the district attorney's office, how they okay. want to, you know, proceed with just with charges if I guess the investigating you know uh, detective or if the law enforcement wants to pursue criminal charges or wants to you know go forward that just made me think of I don't know if I'm conflating stories I don't know if it was around Sandy or if it was something completely different I remember hearing on the news there was like a house found with like dozens and dozens of like malnourished like cats and puppies and stuff and it was I would assume something like that if somebody if for some reason somebody ends up coming across a house and there are way too many animals in one place and there were like there were some of them in like cages and it was it was weird and I assumed then they would call you to well, look into so, that um yes if if there's an actual crime that's um happening you can call 911 um, if it's, um, if it's a concern that you have, like the crime isn't, uh, actually happening at that moment, I guess you call 311 to make a report. Okay. And then I guess 311 is like animal control. Um, 311 is, it's hard to explain 311. It's more like information, but okay. active information. Like you call, like, for example, you could call 311 if there's been a car parked across your street for like okay. two months. If your trash isn't being picked up regularly, like you can call 311 and then they'll connect you through like sanitation. You can put a file, you can like put in the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. It's like okay. one of those municipal kind of, hey, something needs to happen and you're kind of the person that, yeah. Okay. Cause I, and I think every state is a little different with that as well. Cause I know in actually every county, again, being that I work in DC, Maryland, Virginia, 
some like we do animal control officers. So you call animal control and I think it's Maryland. I can't remember. They are linked with the police officer. So they're actually police officers that go instead of like true animal control. Some animal control officers just ain't worth it. But um, still in effect, uh, yeah, we have to call that. Cause I remember I actually witnessed um, an abusive case where the guy um, kicked the cat out the house and started uh, trying to punch it in its face. What? Uh, on the balcony. And so of course here I'm screaming uh, because I saw what was happening and, you know, I was like, no, you know, stop, stop, stop. Um, and he was like, shut up. You don't know who you are. I was like, oh, you don't know who I am. Here I do my little parkour, jump down, come around. And I've already called animal control. Um, and so luckily he actually missed the cat because the cat ended up, cats are dangerous sometimes. The cat turned around and scratched his entire arm. Right. But we call it animal control. Animal control pretty much goes in, takes the cat, they bring it to a vet. But like I said, that would be kind of what I would see Jasmine as is evaluating the animal for whatever trauma, which you can see. Um, and then we I, I we sued him. So <laughs> essentially, so yeah, he went to court. I was like, you're not, this is not, first off, you live in my building. You're not going anywhere. Not on my watch. You do right. the big Ayana, the Ayana thing. child. And that's where my problem is. And I think uh, part of the question that you had before is how do we reach some of the community members, especially when you have situations where like the older generation is like flat out not going to deal with it. A lot of times we reach the younger generation because they're the ones that really promote and can pass on. I remember we went to St. Lucia. Jasmine, you didn't come to St. Lucia, did you? It was you and Robin. So Robin <laughs> and I interconnected. I know, I know. So Robin and I went to St. Lucia and a lot of the attention on there, there's just a lot of kids. And some of them, you know, little rabbit kind of kids. <laughs> I just like all over the place. I'm not a kid person. Um, but um, but they're they're respectful to a certain extent. And so I see them like over in my surgery, and a lot of other people were like, no, you gotta go, shoot, shoot. I'm like, stop. Like you watching, watch. And literally like they would have questions for me and I would answer. And then I actually had like a seven-year-old and I was like, you keep them in line. Keep all these 13-year-olds in line. And so he, you know, yeah, and, and I got a job. You know, to if do. you talk to them wrong, they're gonna be, one of them was like, I'm gonna call the sheriff. That's my father. I was like, see right there, that's how you know you're wrong. <laughs> and you teach the kids. I saw one, um, I don't have a leash, I have cats. But he was carrying the dog and just like doing this. I was like, stop. Like, that's not comfortable. And so he understood. And he changed. Then they go back and they tell their friends. They go back and they tell their parents. They're the ones that sneak the animals in the house, you know, and like, no, we got to do this. They're the ones that are, are our future. So it's not, yes, the parents have the money and you got to pay. It's a business. Yeah. You still got to buy things. But it's the kids that can hurt or, or help, you know, you still have these kids that are around kicking cats, throwing them, seeing how far they can go. Um, how many lives they have. It's like, if you just raised to love animals or at least like, you don't have to love them, to respect them, yeah. a life. Um, I think that for me, um, that's where my target is. It, and also color. Mm -hmm. I like to go to places where I look like them. Yeah. 
And they're like, yo, I can, I can do that too. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So. Yeah. So you mentioned bringing the animals in the home. So to pivot to the animals in the home, what would you ladies suggest would be like best practices for traveling with our pets? I know that um, summertime is coming, you know, sadly, we've said goodbye to COVID priced flights, but also a lot of airlines, I think, stopped doing the under like the cargo for animals. I never, I've never flown with Binksy. And at this point, it's too late in the game to even introduce that. And I just know she's not a sit in one space for a long time kind of girl, not her thing. So I would never want to, you know, submit her to just staying in a carrier for the whole flight. And if I were to try to take her out, she wouldn't sit still. Like she's not going to sit still. So I know my pet and that's something that I've decided was, you know, best to do with her. But in terms of what is most safe for animals, I know a lot of people just also don't have that option, whether you are moving from one state, one country to another. And it's just, you know, you can't drive necessarily to California. I mean, you can, but if that's not your route or if for some reason, medical reasons, you have to uproot and just be with family, you can't leave your pets behind. So the fastest way to get someplace is going to be to fly. So there are plenty of reasons why people have to bring their animals, but what would you ladies say um, would be the safest way to travel with your pets, whether it be by air or whether it be um, by car? Because I know we're planning on doing um, a road trip with Binksy. Um, I really want her to be able to have a little adventure, get some hiking, smell air that isn't Queens. It's not, you know, um, New York. I want her to be able to swim. Yeah, something. I, I, it is okay. So I want her to and smell something different. I feel like you know, dogs smell all the things. So it's just like smell something new. I want her to enjoy all of those things while she still can. So what is what are best practices that those of us that are looking to travel with our fur babies can keep in mind? So I'll probably start because at Alexandria, I know we were talking about this earlier, and I'm gonna <laughs> let you finish it because you have more, you have way more experience. So I am actually a pet free household right now. Um, I, um, uh, my cat, she passed away several years ago. So when was I, Fendi? huh? Was Fendi? No, Fendi, belonged, Fendi was my sister. You okay. probably never met her. It was Reese's Pieces. Mm-hmm. Oh, her, her name was Reese's Pieces of Badness. <laughs> But because she was so naughty, but um, yeah, she was kind of like my road girl. Um, she while I was in vet school and stuff, um, she actually so I probably don't have the best practices with her because she was pretty, <laughs> she was pretty stressed out and she would like you know, if she ate prior to traveling, um, I you know, she would she would do all of the eliminations from every bodily orifice that you can think of. She would be vomiting, she would have diarrhea, well, not diarrhea, she would actually have form stool, but she would poop in her carrier, she'd pee, she'd do all of like all of the works. So, um, I ended up like I would fast her uh, the night okay. before so that way, um, you know, she wasn't um, nauseated or anything, but that was while I was in vet school. Nowadays, um, you know, 
I would say first and foremost, um, establish a relationship with your veterinarian. <laughs> um, you know, uh, a lot of pets don't tolerate traveling very well. And so that is likely, that may require some additional medication to kind of help them get through it in terms of like sedation. Like if you think about us with going on boat rides and stuff, yeah. we might need some Dramamine. So it's kind of like similar, you know, taking that into consideration for your pets because it's stressful AF, um, you know, to bring you know they don't know what, what's happening you may but they don't know what's happening um so um definitely work with your veterinarian in terms of and then also getting the basics done getting a wellness check getting um you know your flea and tick prevention especially if you're trying to go over hiking and going all of these places and wildernesses and stuff um so do a a, a good flea and tick prevention um your heartworm medication your um deworming medication so all of that is like gets established just with that wellness visit with your veterinarian and so like we don't just preach this just as most people might think because oh we just want to make a quick buck like no these are actually things that you know work they're they're and save you money pet. down the line you know i'm, I'm yeah. sure fixing it is more expensive than preventing it uh, yes it's all preventive health and so that's what we uh, do if you're going to do road trips, uh, frequent breaks, I guess I would say, like um, definitely with uh, with both dogs and cats. I mean, um, you definitely want to make sure that your dog is able to, you know, get out and, uh, you know, use the restroom if you want um, in terms of your cat. I mean, some people have harnesses for their cats and they, they like them. They like oh, to I walk them that. around, too. <laughs> um, but yeah, frequent breaks. Um, I I one of my friends on Facebook uh, from vet school, I think she just went cross country with her three cats or two cats, I want to say. Oh, wow. um, frequent stops and overnight stops also. So you need to account for all of that. You know, it's always, it's similar to traveling with children, you know, like, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to tolerate being in a car just because you're driving. Um, not everybody is going to be okay with being in a car for that, that amount of time period. Um, and I think with that, um, I'll probably pass it on for anything else that I missed. Cause I know we were talking about yeah. uh, overseas traveling yes. with your pets and stuff. Well, I guess I'll uh, piggyback on a, a couple of things. Definitely see your vet. Every animal is different. Uh, a microchip. Oh yeah. You have absolutely no idea how many cats jump out of windows, dogs jump out of windows at truck stops, get left wherever. Um, always have your medications. Wherever you travel, make sure whatever seizure medications or heartworm prevention. Um, so I have two cats. I have um, my little asshole cat who's a fat cat. I, I don't travel with him because he's too heavy. He was four, he was 16 pounds, now he's 14. He's still just too hefty for me. Um, and then I have Serenity. Serenity is my 11-year-old seven-pound cat who has traveled with me. Um, she walks on a harness. Um, I have now taken her off the harness and she won't leave my side. And I have traveled, I worked in Puerto Rico uh, when I was in vet school, she came with me. Okay. So she flew. Um, I absolutely do not recommend animals under the plane. Um, I don't have cameras that are under there. I don't know what it's like. It's noisy. You got the wheels pulling up. Obviously people have to do it at times. I am just not comfortable with that. I'm like, look, try to get a service dog or something. whatever you have to do, get that dog a seat on the plane. Cats um, are a little bit easier on 
those kind of trips because you do have to take them out and run them through security and everything. So as long as you can get a handle on your animal, you're fine. I ended up taking my cat out. Serenity would sit there and just cry like a baby and it would annoy everybody. So I was just like, when she sat on my lap, everything was perfectly fine. She wasn't going anywhere, nothing. I didn't drug her or anything, but a lot of dogs need sedatives. A lot of cats need sedatives because there's just so much change going on. And like Jasmine said, you just don't know. Um, when you do a wilderness stuff, talk to your vet because there are a lot of dangers out there. Um, I have, I've had a Jack Russell Terrier get picked up by a hawk before. I was going to bring that up. One of my friends <laughs> mentioned it and ah. that's why I never took her for so long. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be there because you also have to realize you are at risk. Not only the dog as you are, if a bear jumped out of somewhere, you gotta be able to pick your dog up and get out of there. You can't do so much. So, you know, you don't want to be so wild, uh, especially with small dogs. I'm not really big on hiking with small dogs. If you have like a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd, they can take care of you and themselves. But the small ones, a snake comes out somewhere, you know, it's just a little bit more touchy-feely with me on it. But again, talk to you about what's going to be out there, what preventions are going to be best for you. And what diseases, every area of the country is different. We got Lyme over here. It's forming down in the South, but it's not in the Midwest. You're talking about Babesi and Rocky Mountain. So different things. They don't have a vaccine for Rocky Mountain. We have a vaccine for Lyme. Mm -hmm. um, so you definitely have to talk to your vet. As far as the car ride, I am definitely a bad person with the car. I have a picture of Serenity sitting right on the dashboard. Terrible idea. <laughs> terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, she looks yeah. so beautiful. And I was like, somebody hit me. I'm, I'm going crazy. So I did get in a car crash with one of my cats. Um, so it is real. For whatever odd reason out of my, my stupid head, I was coming from Tuskegee, driving to Charlotte to my family's, and we're in Atlanta. So if anybody knows anything about Atlanta, you hit 85, I think it was 85, and it goes from 65 miles an hour in the fast lane to 105. It just, it's a big switch. Oh, wow. So I had my older cat tidbit in the car. She was in her carrier in the passenger seat with a seatbelt on. Why there was a seatbelt on, I don't know. I just, I put a seatbelt on. Got in a four car car crash. Wow. That was the last car that got hit and I got pushed 20 feet. Wow. Trust and believe the anger in me came out. I was like, somebody hit my car, my cat's in this car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's fine, but you have to think shit happens and if yeah. airbags happen, um, they hit that side. I've had dogs that um, had a, a truck that got in a car crash. Uh, two Huskies went through the, the window and while those dogs went through the window, the owner did too. So the owner was in critical care. I had to euthanize the dogs um, because there was nobody to make the medical decisions and he, he had his own situation um it happens so as much as we want the animals to sit on our lap and be up front with us get the harnesses that have the dog harnesses that have the seatbelt cover to it put that cat in the carrier i've had my cat go underneath my gas pedal <gasps> as i'm driving um not my gas excuse me my brake pedal as i'm driving on the highway i've made the mistakes do not make the same mistakes and put them away, <laughs> yeah. put them away. Um, even if they're sitting on your lap, they can strap into something. 
And again, if they're in a carrier or they're in a cage and they meow like crazy or balk like crazy, you talk to your vet about getting a set. Calming treat, there's common CBD oil, that's for vets, for veterinary care, not from the grocery store. Um, <laughs> they have those kind of options out there. So you, it's not necessarily drugs, um, but then there are some that, you know, you know a little extra. <laughs> Take it. Take it for the well being of everybody. That's a really good point. Yeah. I didn't even think about the other diseases in other areas because we were thinking of leaving New York, like maybe not going far, but maybe um, Martha's Vineyard or um, I can't think of where the other place. And that's why I ended up starting to plan and then not planning because it just got frustrating because I also want to make sure that I can find some place where I'll feel comfortable leaving her in either the Airbnb or the hotel and not being fearful that they've left stuff from other people or they have like, you know, mouse traps or rat poison or cleaners or whatever left behind or even anything valuable. She's not a like dog that really gets into stuff. She doesn't really eat plants and she's (laughs) a space cadet, but you know, it, I would not want it to happen Cause you know, we want to have a night out. We want to go eat. Or if there's something that we decide to do that we can't bring the dog for, I don't want to have that lingering in the back of my mind. So there, yeah, that's a good point. You do have to also remember that anxious dogs that are in unfamiliar environments can damage properties. So you do want properties that are safe for animals and you do want to have whatever cage or anything, because I've actually had a client tell me recently, he got knocked out of, um, Kicked out of the Hard Rock Cafe, because the hotel, the resort, okay. because his dog ended up having a seizure and completely trashed the place. Oh, poor baby. So it's one of those things um, you want to be aware of and that you may actually have to pay a couple extra bucks because they may scratch the curtains or the door or something like that. And you do have neighbors in yeah. these hotels. They didn't pay to be next to anything exactly. loud. And you don't know what they're doing. So you do have to kind of be mindful of that. And uh, two things uh, that I have forgotten to mention. One, with the with the sedatives or whatnot, as you're working with your veterinarian, if, you, if that is something that the two of you decide is the best level of care or thing to do or treatment option for your pet, do a tester before you officially go on the trip. Like you mm-hmm. don't want to be the first time that you're using the, the sedative or whatnot right, or right, right, whatever right. kind of treatment. You don't want that to be the first time on, on the plane where like there's no veterinarian or right. you know on the road where you might be stuck in between states on this long ass highway and there's no emergency clinic nearby for you for like another 20 or so miles. Um, so definitely you want to do a tester uh, you know, while you're in the home so you can monitor them and And so that way you, if you need to go to an emergency clinic, like, or if you need to go pay a trip to your vet, or even if you don't think that the drugs are working, um, that's something that you can kind of uh, work with your veterinarian with to kind of, you know, tailor the dose for just what works for your pet too. Um, And so this is going to be my Bob Barker, like public service announcement. Please keep your animal on a leash whenever it is outside. Like that is one of my biggest pet peeves ever. Um, Just 
just keep them on a leash, keep them close by. And especially, I mean, when you have little dogs and you're going hiking and stuff, yeah. like, yeah, you want to keep them close by. <laughs> As I throw was away all the retractable leashes. Oh, yeah, no retractable leashes. No retractable <laughs> leashes. I could never really get used to that. Like, I had one once. And first of all, I was never quick enough with the, wait, in or <laughs> out, in or out. Stop going, stop, stop, stop. I don't know. It's it just never worked for me, and I always felt like she always would start going, and then I'm like, no, 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 and I I didn't like those. I had yeah, that didn't last long. I don't know how people get behind those. Like I, they just like well, a lot of it is because they can kind of gauge how far the thing is. The dog is making the decision, and then they're so far away that you're like, okay, it doesn't bring them back. You, yeah, you gotta kind of you got to do it. So, but we see a lot more issues with that um you know use a harness and a clip a harness that's not going to slip off the dog <laughs> we have too many that have gone backwards and it come right up over their head mm-hmm. and now they're running in the parking lot no that's how things you got that on car. yeah hit uh fit the harness collar two fingers under it's not a necklace it is a collar <laughs> so so you guys mentioned Robin. Who is Robin? And what is it that she you ladies together? She wears the crown. She is the crown, the queen of spay and neuter. Robin, we miss you on this on this chat right here. Hi, Robin. Um, <laughs> Robin, um, she's working at the well, she pretty much owns the ASPCA. <laughs> she she works the whole ASPCA. She did, she's like the queen of Spain, like I said, uh, in New York City. I met her in DR um, again. And um, yeah, she just, uh, I don't even know how she does it. It's just, she just has a calmness about her. And she's just like, yeah, I'm Spain. Yeah. And it's just, it's so weird. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, okay. Next. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's she, she has the craft. She's been yeah. doing it for a while. Yeah, Robin is um, one of the veterinarians who actually trains me. Um, and she, she'll always say, like, she doesn't like to train people, but, like, she has a she knack, for, she has a knack a for it, and she's great at it. She's just an extremely experienced and gifted uh, high-quality and high-volume spay-neuter surgeon. Um, and so that's what she enjoys doing in life. Like, she can do that all day, every day. And... Um, you know, she's, she's seen so much. And so when we go on these, uh, you know, excursions on these uh, um, trips and everything, and we go out to these other countries and do these spay neuter clinics and whatnot, it is very comforting to have her because, you know, if we're ever in like, you know, a bind, because I'll admit, I'm still, I'm still young in the game. Like, you know, I, I definitely don't have as many, um, you know, I don't have as much experience as she does. So like, she can just come over and just be like, oh yeah, that'd be fine. And that's what uh, (laughs) Alexandria was talking about earlier with like in, while we're in surgery and stuff, like, you know, sometimes you just need that extra person to just come by and just be like, just let that go. It's yeah. gonna be fine, <laughs> you know. So, um, it's definitely like I I've always referred to as like my mama surgeon. Like she is definitely like you know my work mom. Um, and so uh, when we go off to these countries, like that's uh, that's my that's my travel buddy. <laughs> and you ladies have an organization together. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> go for it. We I guess all of us kind of combined again. Like I said, I. I wouldn't be here without them. So I, we had always discussed some of the pros and cons of different things that we've seen as we move through 
the countries. And the one thing that we all love is we're all minorities across the color spectrum. Um, we have different backgrounds and we want to understand the people that we're going to see. Um, that was something that I didn't really catch with a lot of other people. You know, they wanted to spend neuter. Um, they wanted to reduce populations. They wanted to, I don't know, you know, kind of get that, yay, we did something good. But when we just discussed, it was like the three of us were just like, we want to learn. And we don't want to be overbearing Americans. So we, I always wanted to, I love philanthropy and I always wanted to come up with a nonprofit. So just the three of us can go. <laughs> I was like, I don't care about nobody. I love the three of us. And because um, we don't argue, you know, there's no bitterness or anything. Somebody knows something else, you know that it's fine. Um, and again, we all have a way different person. Actually, I met Jasmine by accident because we had to stay in the same bed in DR. We did? Yes, Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, there, yeah. We were in the Lovemaker suite or something. We were, we were in a group. I think we were in a group of like four at first, and then they moved us to a different room, and it was just the two of us. That was our like, first time meeting each other in DR. Yeah, they're like, do you guys know each other? Well, we only have one room left. It has like a heart-shaped jacuzzi tub and this bed, and we're like, sure. <laughs> I guess. It's the Hard Rock Hotel. Like, what? Yeah, but, um... <laughs> But yeah, so I um philanthropy. Yeah, so I decided um I wanted to create a nonprofit because I was traveling more even just by myself. And I was like, I'm just going to countries, not even necessarily animal related, but just learning. And I was like, I wanna, you know, my first solo trip was to Barcelona. Okay, let's, you know, going here, going there, whatever. So I created um iPause. Um, so I slash pause. <laughs> Uh, and that's going to be the international protection, advocacy, welfare, and sterilization. That's everything that we do within that organization. And so I was like, I can't form it without having my board. And that would be Jasmine and Robin. Again, I'm compared to them. I'm new to the game. <laughs> and so I'm, I don't even remember, I guess, maybe six or seven years I've been doing Spain and Europe. Um, I am technically qualified as what we call a high volume spay neuter veterinarian now. So that's additional training, small incisions, like instead of 30 minutes for a cat spay, it's 10 or oh. in Robin's case, a blink of an eye, you know? Um, but um, so we, we just kind of put it all together. And I was like, I, I just, I need them. I need them. They're the brains and I want to travel with them. And so they, of course, they're like, yeah, we're going to do that. And of course, Robin, okay, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? I got to get out of here. My suitcase has been packed for two years. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have iPods. It's still in the making right now. Our first trip was supposed to be in Egypt in uh, June 2020. <laughs> so and of course, oh, look at that, full circle. Yeah, you can go ahead and so, read your hieroglyphs. I, know, <laughs> I ended up going to Egypt. That, that's why. Um, nice. and, um, I was like, well, I can come back cause I found a rescue organization. But, um, like I said, we always try to pair with okay. somebody that's there because we leave, mm -hmm. you, you have to leave everything behind. So I want to, we want to leave you with the knowledge and to make sure that these animals continue care. Right. Um, and it promotes the veterinarians. Hey, you didn't know that there's veterinary care. Here you go. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course COVID that's when COVID like really hit and all international stopped as of 
the end of May into June. And I think it was like three days before we were supposed to take off. Ooh. It was like, yeah, no, you're canceled. You're not going, but they wouldn't cancel it before. So Egypt was our first that obviously that didn't happen. So it gave us time to really maturate. So I have, um, like we're, we're talking Colombia, Montenegro, Cuba, Morocco, um, those right now are some of the places that have outreach to us, uh, Western Sahara. Um, and they're like, Hey, look, we want help. You know, we want to know what your expertise is, whether you come spay neuter or you train, um, Cuba. I've worked with the CDC side of things down there, their, their version of CDC. I actually did a presentation for them. I think I was, I was the first black American to do a presentation. So I was like, yes. Oh, come um, on first. So, yeah, so I'm, um, you know, trying to go back there again. My second love, Cuba. I don't. I just. I don't. Oh. I'm waiting so to go there the first time. I'm waiting to go there for my first time. I need my fourth. I, I need my fourth. I went. Three I got a times spot for a tattoo now. right here. That's yeah. where it's supposed to go. Cause it's, yeah. um, it's more so like a travel sleeve and I had an appointment. I had it booked to go get it. I, I refused to get this tattoo anywhere else, but I got to the shop late and I asked the guy, I'm so sorry. Will you be able to fit me in? He asked the artist and he was like, no. Cause that's the same in English and Spanish. <laughs> he was like no and so I was really butthurt and I have yet to put anything in that spot because I have to go back if just for that tattoo I really Girl, want that but it's got to be in Cuba if you go you taking me with you I got you I got you <laughs> just let me know I will say less <laughs> so how can we support iPods um right now um I, I guess it would just be through our, my Facebook is the first one. Um, cause I usually, and I guess how I've been doing it is I kind of just post some things, but we do have a Facebook website. It's I pause society again, I dash pause society. Um, and there's nothing really on there right now, <laughs> but we're working on it. So that usually, if you follow that page, um, when we do get it up and running, ah, uh, when we do get it up and running and finished, like I said, we're trying to finalize so we can get the grants and everything put together. Um, and we're going to start calling for help. So we want volunteers. We want people who have no experience and we want people who have experience. Um, just as long as you have a passport and a great attitude and a love for animals and you don't mind being dirty because you are going to get pissed on shit on, vomiting on, you know, have some parasites on you. It's all good. Um, but as long as you are looking for an adventure, when we are able to put that call out, that's where I'm going to be putting it out. Because I have, like I said, most people are following me on my private or my page because they're my technicians and they're like, look, Dr. Murphy, I don't care where you go, you take it, you know? So when I, I put the call out, you let me know, whoever gets that tickets go. <laughs> so for someone that doesn't have experience, what kind of experience would we need? Like who, what kind of unexperienced people are you looking for? And like, how long would like trips generally be, um, would the volunteer like and they're volunteers so would the volunteers be paying for their own um flights their board like how does it work so because people are coming from everywhere um you have to pay for your own flight um you know we don't want to have missed flights and this and that situation uh generally speaking we're going to take care of lodging and uh, those are kind of accommodations travel to and from um you can wear whatever you want so there's like no uniform obviously scrubs are ideal um and sneakers 
Sneakers. Yeah, definitely sneakers. Crocs, not really the, the way to go, but um, you have to be prepared for the weather. We were in St. Lucia and it was 107 degrees. So, you know, it, it can, it can be a situation. Now, granted, uh, we're not planning on doing it that way, but, <laughs> but that can, um, but the jobs for unexperienced recovery, we teach you just the basics of recovery while the animal's getting up receptionists, um, cleanup crew, prep crew, uh, advocacy crew going out and talking to the community, um, and assisting. So assisting isn't that difficult to be perfectly you hold an animal. Um, you don't need, you know, very much training in some of this. And obviously we're going to have doctors on board, doctors that are doing surgeries, doctors that are on standby. You're going to have what we call LVTs. Those are licensed veterinary technicians. They're pretty much mini doctors. Um, they know anesthesia better than we do. <laughs> so um, they're going to be there prepping animals, getting things together. We need people who, who can shave, you know? So there's so many, there's so many things that you can do that, you wouldn't think like in an animal right. hospital here. Yeah, they're not going to hire you for that. But we, you clean some ears. Nobody got to stop you. Clean yeah. <laughs> those ears, get those ears um, But yeah, generally you pay for your own flight. Uh, the trips are, you can stay how long you want. It, it depends on what, where we are and what we're doing. Um, I hope that we can solidify locations mm -hmm. and do like month long excursions just have a rotating population of people coming in. Um, but generally speaking, it's about seven weeks. Okay. So you work five, maybe a day off travel, you know. We can uh, definitely like keep you posted uh, when like, our website is up and running and just, um, you know, when we're, I guess if there's a listserv or whatnot that we have, you know, people can definitely reach out and subscribe. And we should have something in the next 30 days. <laughs> okay, so. perfect. Because I'm definitely going to have um, the Facebook in the description box. So okay, if awesome. you are interested in following so that you can stay up to date so that you will get on, um, be in the know for when the website is live and when the uh, mailing list is up so that you can sign up and get all that information. The Facebook, the Facebook link will be in the wherever you find the description of the episode so yep. it'll be there yep. so is there anything else you guys want to share with us for our pet love episode adopt don't shop <laughs> stay and neuter love all animals <laughs> yeah i think right. i i think i've passed on all the pearls of wisdom that i that i have for now until next time okay and how <laughs> do we <laughs> that I will say, be easy on your vet. COVID has taken a toll on the veterinary community. We have a lot of vets uh, leaving practice and we don't have anybody. It takes time. It takes a lot of time and COVID has not been good to us. So please, please, please just be thankful for your vet and know that they are in a good space trying to help you and your pet, not just you. It's they're there for your pet and the wellness of your pet. <laughs> Excellent. And so where can we find you ladies other than I-Paw Society right. at Facebook? Where can we find you guys? I'm in the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> Sandra Murphy with an apostrophe. Uh, uh, but I'm just, I'm ripping and running around DC. That's, that's pretty much me. And yeah. <laughs> 
I don't think you want to find me because (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you don't post on social. It probably probably won't be a good look if you find me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I guess that for me, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it's a good thing. Family, uh, family centered euthanasia.com and there's hyphens in between. That's my website has a little bit more information about me Um, and my serenity is in your picture my little devil, um, but family-centered euthanasia, family-centered euthanasia.com. Uh, and so in the fact that anybody needs an at-home euthanasia here, let me know. I have had a call from New York. I was like, so <laughs> we're not going to New York. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they got my information, but thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe afterwards we can, um, Alexandria, you can write just like the email addresses in like um, an email D. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. That'll all be all the contact information, guys, will be in the description box. Rocket science. Awesome. All right, y'all. So thank you. Thank you to my beautiful guests. Thank you, ladies, for joining me. <laughs> thank guys, you. Travel, as I tell y'all every week, every fucking week. Travel is so much more than vacation. There are so many different ways and so many different experiences that you can have for yourselves. And thankfully now for our pets. Because we can now. You can just buy them a sweater and take them with you places now. Cause you can. Now All right, you y'all. You, oh, right, right. Binksy's cameo. I can't have a, a pet episode. <laughs> and always stay new to your pets and keep them on a leash. On a leash. Please keep them on a leash. That's my, that's my PSA once again. Ah, uh, there you are. <laughs> my spade puppy. Binksy, say hi. Binksy. <laughs> He's my little boy. <laughs> he used to be my little co-host when I was out in the um when I would record in the dining room because there was just I couldn't keep her out, you know. But now it's just like okay, no, we can we can close the door. <laughs> Do you have any final remarks? Do you have anything you want to share about um I don't know being a pet or anything? Life is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Especially with all the food. <laughs> okay, puppy girl. Say bye. Say bye, bye, puppy girl. And say bye to my pets, ladies. Everybody say bye. bye. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Thank you.